Welcome to Think Bible, the podcast that exists to challenge, edify, and encourage Christian women to think and live biblically, all for the glory of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Smith. Welcome, friends, to the Think Bible podcast. I'm your host today, Stephanie Smith, and we're looking at 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18, those three short little verses that are so quick to read, but really take a full lifetime to obey and follow through with. Um, They are rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything, give thanks. So last time we talked about Rejoice Evermore, and today we're going to start in on prayer. Now let me ask you a good question. Who loves a good party? We all do, don't we? Yummy food, friends to hang out with, and there's always a reason to celebrate. But every party takes some work and planning. From choosing a theme to purchasing food, finding the perfect Pinterest decor, sending out invitations, all the work to prepare everything. It just takes a lot. Even the attenders of the party have to make sure their schedule is clear and they have to put in the effort of actually getting to the party. But did you know those things are true in our spiritual lives as well? It may be fun to think about rejoicing evermore, but it takes preparation. There's a lot to be thankful for. There's much to rejoice in, as we reviewed last time. But every day isn't a party. And if we want to be able to celebrate the blessings in our lives and count the um, things to be thankful for, we have to do some work ahead of time. And that is we have to prepare and store God's word in our hearts and minds so that when things do get tough, we have that reservoir of truth from which to draw. So, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. We are told to rejoice in the biblical truths and the rich spiritual blessings that God bestows on us, but we don't necessarily rejoice in our outward circumstances and situations. Part of that rejoicing is preparing, and we prepare in prayer. Matthew Henry will help us connect the purpose of these three verses. In his commentary on 1 Thessalonians, he says, The way to rejoice evermore is to pray without ceasing. And if we pray without ceasing, we shall not want matter for thanksgiving in everything. So how is anybody supposed to obey this command to pray without ceasing? Don't we have to think about what's gonna, what we're going to fix for supper or whether the children have completed their chores and their homework for the night, if we're going to be able to afford that vacation we've been planning or how soon the oil needs changed in the car and what am I going to get my husband for Father's Day, right? There's so many little things in life that must be dealt with. We can't just sit and pray all day and all night and I agree with you. And so does God. He commands us to work, to care for our households, to train our children, to serve others, and more. 
So what does he actually mean when he says pray without ceasing? Warren Wearsby sheds some light on the subject. He says, to pray without ceasing does not mean we must always be mumbling prayers. The word means constantly recurring, not continuously occurring. We are to keep the receiver off the hook, so to speak, and be in touch with God so that our praying is part of a long conversation that is not broken. God knows the desires of our heart, and he responds to those desires even when our voice is silent. Now that analogy of keeping the receiver off the hook is a bit dated. How many of you actually remember landlines? If you wanted to keep talking with someone, but you needed to go do something, say your cookies were ready to come out of the oven, you didn't usually hang up and then call back later. But what did we do instead? We set the phone receiver down on the counter. We went to grab the cookies and we came back, picked up the receiver again to continue our conversation. Wearsby is saying that praying without ceasing is like that. We pause our communication with God, do the things that are before us and that need our attention, and then resume our conversation. Maybe for today's audience, a better um, model would be texting. People love texting because they can communicate quickly while, with others while continuing to accomplish the business of the day, right? All right, I know some people, especially teenagers, love it for other reasons. Some of our kids are terrified of talking on the phone. <laughs> but originally, texting was a tool to help us multitask and accomplish many things in a short amount of time. So you can text a message and then keep folding your laundry. You can answer a response and then unload the dishwasher. So we are in continual contact with the other person we're texting, but still going on with our daily tasks and lives. When I'm intentional about knowing my adult married children who don't live at home any longer, when I want to know their needs, their struggles, their victories, and keep up with the everyday happenings in their lives, I use a variety of ways to communicate with them. Sometimes I send them handwritten letters, maybe for their birthday or Christmas. And usually along with that is a gift, typically food because they're my kids. <laughs> But I also call them on the phone frequently to talk and to hear their voice. When we're one-on-one -on -one like that, that's when they share their struggles or ask me to pray about something specific that's going on. Sometimes we plan a FaceTime chat with the whole family so we can all be together at once and everybody talks over top of each other and it's kind of chaos, but it's really fun. But most frequently, we text. How's your day? Are you feeling better? How did that test go? I'm praying for you. Well, our prayer life should look similar. We need long, uninter uninterrupted talks with God regularly. We need to hear his words from scripture, and it's important that we respond to those words. So we ought to have regular times set aside for prayer where we intercede on the behalf of others and bring up certain requests that we want to keep before the Lord. But sometimes I send up one sentence or even one word prayers in the middle of my day while I'm driving or doing a chore or facing a crisis 
It's not that I want to get away with surface level short chats with God because anything more serious or deep might get convicting. No, I need those too. But rather these quick prayers allow us to keep in touch with God throughout the day, no matter what else is going on. And that keeps us grounded and helps us remember the truly important things in life. James F. Davis says, To pray constantly does not mean continuous, uninterrupted prayer, but humble submission to God in the details of life. I really like that definition. It's not that we do nothing except pray, but that everything we do is accompanied by prayer. Whether we're asking God for wisdom to handle a parenting situation while in the school parking lot, or whether we're interceding for a friend who's going through a hard time while we're doing the dishes, we can always be in communication with God. And sometimes that just means a cry for help when we don't know what else to do. So I want us to think about three types of days that we experience. And as as you're going about your day, maybe something comes up that disrupts your plan. Maybe your school calls and you need to pick up your child because she's sick. Ah, you think in frustration. I was finishing the shampooing of carpets. I need to go grocery shopping and I plan to take flowers to our neighbor who's been sick. Why is this happening now? But instead, as we are praying without ceasing, we can respond, Yes, Lord. Okay, this is what you have for me today. Help me to respond correctly and to care for my daughter in a loving way. And please work out all these other details. So do you see how we can take a change of plans in our day and, and turn it into a moment of prayer and submission to God? Maybe the things that come your way on a given day are much, much bigger and heavier. Perhaps there's a financial crisis. Maybe the car needs a new transmission and you barely have enough groceries for the rest of the month and no more money. Or perhaps there's a serious diagnosis, maybe cancer or the need for a transplant or a chronic illness that attacks your body or your husband or your child or parent. How do you handle these life-altering events? Perhaps there's a relationship issue that has blindsided you. Your spouse wants a divorce and you didn't even know anything was wrong. Or your best friend moves away and you feel lonely and abandoned. Or perhaps you've been betrayed by someone you trust and you simply don't know how to respond. All of these situations and dozens others like them bring crisis to your life. And the way you respond immediately and for the long haul demonstrates a lot about your faith, your submission to, and your trust in God's providence, how you respond to the fact that you actually do not control your own life. It shows what's lurking in your heart, and it demonstrates your confidence, or lack of it, in God's word and his promises. But as we relinquish those rights to have control over ourselves and our lives, our health, our finances, our relationships, we will find that God is all we need. We can run to him over and over with the stresses and disappointments, the causes for anger 
fear, all of these crisis moments, and we can commune with him in prayer. Lord, you know this was not my plan, but it has not taken you by surprise. Help me to respond in faith and trust and to cling ever more closely to you as you walk me through this valley. So do you see how we can take a crisis and turn it into an opportunity for prayer and submission to God's will? And then every once in a while, (laughs) we actually have the ordinary day. You wash your dishes, you do laundry, go to work, fix supper, clean the bathroom, watch the kids, etc., etc. These days, your mind may actually have more opportunity to focus on your relationship with God. Remember, prayer is not always asking for things. Just as we've already looked at, we can communicate thanksgiving and rejoice in God too. So you may wish to delight in all the ways that God has shown you his favor and his love. You might want to write a list of blessings in your journal or keep a running list going in your head throughout the day. Something like this. Thank you, Father, that I have a washing machine to do our laundry and a dryer. When the laundry has piled this high, I know that my loved ones are near. I'm thankful I get to spend time with them. I am privileged to see my children growing up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And they're having such a great time playing baseball. Look at these grass stains. Thank you, Lord, for the grass. Otherwise, the kids would be playing on dirt and hurting themselves a whole lot more. And on and on you could go. So now do you see how you can turn an ordinary day into an opportunity for prayer? and more submission to God. Your thoughts of gratitude and rejoicing can continue in this way. Whatever you are doing, each moment, each day, you can turn them into expressions of prayer to our loving and listening Father. In many ways, prayer seems like the ideal. You know, if I'm in constant communication with God the Father, then everything else in life will just fall into place, right? Well, it's not quite that simple, but it certainly will improve things, especially your outlook. So why do we struggle so hard to be faithful in our prayer lives? For me, I know it's often when I perceive a lack of time. I'm just too busy, I think. There are chores that need done, articles that need written, podcasts that need recorded, people that need my attention. But the truth is, if I'm too busy to pray... I'm just simply too busy. Can you relate? I'm not saying you have to spend hours daily on your knees, but you do need to have a consistent prayer time and a prayer list. Other times, my lack of faithfulness in in prayer is because I look at the current circumstances rather than at God. I see the impossible nature of a specific situation like the financial mountain, or the grim diagnosis, or the impossible relationship, rather than the God who says, with me, nothing shall be impossible. He is the God who delights to do impossible things in order to demonstrate his power, his goodness, his sovereignty, and his love for us. When I doubt God's ability to handle these situations, 
I'm only proving that I truly don't know and trust him. And sometimes I fail to pray when I'm in physical discomfort. I'd rather have a pity party focusing on my dismal state than to exercise my faith and remember God is able to comfort me in all my distress. He's able to raise me up above physical circumstances, and he's the only one able to change those circumstances, whether that be through an illness, maybe he provides a medicine or a therapy that helps and heals, whether it be miraculously healing that he handles, whether he chooses to not relieve the issue at all, but instead he gives me his grace to endure Do you remember Paul's testimony in 2 Corinthians 12? Listen to verses 7 through 10. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I sought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, Then am I strong. I don't know any other passage of scripture that has comforted me more throughout my life. You know, we've been traveling and without a home for 13 months now. I admit I struggle with being content in God's will for our family. And yet he continues to provide. Sometimes God's provision is through a comfortable place to stay. And sometimes it's through his grace that allows me to sleep well on a lumpy pillow. Maybe the situation you find yourself in doesn't improve. Maybe you're still sick and feeling crummy after years. Or maybe you don't sleep well and your muscles ache. Whatever it is, don't allow your outward situation to dictate your inner state of mind. No one, nothing can steal your joy in the Lord but you can certainly give it away and choose to be grouchy, upset, bothered. And I'm preaching to myself here more than anyone else, believe me. (laughs) This is my biggest fault when it comes to praying. And it leads right into the next detriment in our prayer lives, bad attitudes. When your attitude stinks, it means your heart is not in the right place. Likely, I am selfish, proud, full of doubt and mistrust, whether I'm angry at God for allowing something difficult or whether I'm pouting because I didn't get my way, bad attitudes will keep me and you from prayer. Lack of trust, discontentment, fear, anxiety, all of these are the roots that you're planting and cultivating in your heart with these attitudes. And it doesn't affect just your prayer life. You will begin to struggle to read your Bible. You won't want to attend church. You'll stop serving others. Your relationship with the Lord will grow cold and stale. 
But just to be clear, none of this, it's God's fault. It's us. So we have to clean up that rotten attitude. And we start by confessing those sins and asking God to renew us and to renew our trust in him. Make your prayer time a priority in your life. Keep your focus on the Lord rather than on your own problems. Look for opportunities to submit yourself to God and his plans. And then wait and watch. God will be at work on your behalf. Now the answers to your prayers won't always be what you are expecting, but they will always be good answers. God promises this in his word. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know, if we know that he hear us, then whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So in review, remember that you can pray without ceasing by submitting your will and your schedule to God, humbly surrendering each day, each interruption, each trial, each mundane moment to him. Seek him in the midst of it all. And don't give in to those things that keep us from prayer, busyness, circumstances, physical discomfort, bad attitudes, also known as sin. Trust him to do what is best in each and every situation. He is worthy of that trust, and he is powerful and kind enough to work all things together for our good and for his glory. You've been listening to the Think Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Smith. Please visit us at our website, www.thinkbible.online, to learn more about our ministry or to take advantage of the resources we have there for you. That's www.thinkbible.online. Dot online. You can also find us at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the name Think Bible. Until next time, let's all think and live biblically for the glory of God.